0: taking time on the East Ministry. So we're really, really grateful to you. For those of you who've joined us for the first time uh, and possibly missed the first session, which was uh, uh, the Ekadashi prior last Mondays. So just a brief round of introduction. Of course, Mahatma Prabhu does not really require any introduction, he's well known to all of us.
1: Can I give uh, my own introduction?
0: (laughs) Sure, bro. You're most welcome.
1: The the most amazing thing is that Srila Prabhupada can take anybody who is rough around the edges and by following his instruction, smooth them out. So, when my book comes out <clears throat> about Śrīla Prabhupāda, I'm thinking the title will be An Ordinary Person with an Extraordinary Spiritual Master. I'm thinking that that's the right title. And so if I if I were to give my biography, that's what it is. Ex, uh, ordinary Person with an Extraordinary Guru. And of course... When you're in the sunshine, you become bright, not because you have any effulgence, <laughs> but because the sun is bright, and so um, you become bright. And so anything that you see within me of any quality or qualification, that's just standing in the sunlight of Prabhupada. That's how I feel. And as far as far as far as my service, I've been fortunate to do many, many services over the year, over the years. And Prabhupada never looked at our material qualification, but he looked at our enthusiasm and our sincerity. And so if a devotee was enthusiastic and sincere, he would say, Okay, do this. And he would say, Krishna will help you. Just do it. Go for it. Krishna will help you. And so I joined when I was nineteen and was given big responsibilities at an early age. Not really that I felt qualified, but that was Prabhupada's mood. Qualified or not, Krishna will give you the qualification. Young, old, man, woman, American, Indian, African, didn't matter. So I I live daily with that realization that whatever I can do is the mercy of Srila Prabhupada and whatever... Good qualities I have, whatever purification I've been able to manifest—it's all, it's all due to Him. Whatever realizations I have are gifts from Him, and but I honestly feel, without trying to, trying to um, appear falsely humble, I just honestly feel that way—that I don't feel qualified. But I recognize that Prabhupada's enabled me to do service. And sometimes the service is successful, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's way beyond the success I would have imagined. Sometimes it's, it fails in ways I wouldn't have imagined, but I understand whatever I've been able to do well. That's come from Srila Prabhupada, from a willingness to try. And So my biography is that I've done many, many services, willing to try, if that's what Prabhupada wants, then I will do it. And My main service now is teaching, especially in the form of extended teaching, like workshops and retreats and seminars where we can go more deeply into a topic. So, that's my biography for today. We're going to have another biography next month. (laughs) Uh, I thought it would be good to start with a question, and you can put your answer in chat because I want to be relevant to your needs. And the question is, what do you find as your biggest obstacle to good japa? One or two things. Uh, of course, we have 70, 80 people here, maybe more coming. If you all give one or two answers, we'll have one or 200 answers. So I don't need one or 200. Uh, you're all welcome to answer and I think a lot of you are going to say the same thing, but I would like to address your concerns. I would like to be relevant to you. So, if there's something that you feel is a particular obstacle to you in your japa, or something you're trying to get a, a, to, you're trying to get to a certain level and you don't know how to get there. If you can put that in the chat, and then we can make a note of these, and these will be topics which we can discuss Um, because I think a lot of us experience the same obstacles and it's important to address what is common, uh, common problems to all of you. So I'm just going to give you a minute. I'm reading them as they come up. Um, You can all read them and... Govinda Charan. Um, once we get this list, yes. can you co- can you copy this list, and then we'll save it. So the ones we don't sure. cover today, we will cover.
0: Sure, we'll do that. We will
1: cover in the future. This this is um this is going to be very important for all of us because Japa is extremely, extremely important, and we shouldn't. And it's unfortunate if we allow any of these obstacles to um, become impediments because if, our, if we're chanting and we're making offenses, or we're distracted, then um, it's like we're taking a medicine but we're not taking it according to prescription and it's not working as it's intended. We're getting a lot here about focus and concentration, which I knew we would get because I've taught many workshops, and this is generally the number one obstacle controlling the mind. And um, but definitely, we will deal with that today. Um, inability to control the right mood is very, very important to address. So keep you can keep um, putting service before Japa you're going to you're going to see that as we address these that, that although there's a lot of different obstacles there's some common thread in how we approach japa that becomes the problem creator that these problems are manifestations or ramifications of certain ways of thinking so you can keep um if you have any more feel free to put them in the chat i want to i want to deal with the controlling the mind the focus And um, this last one, you know, we have concentration, um, the right mood while we're chanting, putting japa before service, uh, get a headache from repetition. They're all very similar. And I'll explain why. Fix the mind. Uh, I still feel that to do things from grass to life are disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Don't get married if you want good Japa. No, only kidding. And for some of you, it's too late now anyway, right? Um, move out to an eco village. Yeah, you'll have more time. You know, um, waking up early, wandering mind, mind wavers. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of um, pronouncing clearly. Mind starts wandering. Unwillingness to chant. Wandering mind. Yeah. So we're. This is the most common. Consistent enthusiasm is my obstacle. I sometimes do it as a choy, chore. Okay, so we got a lot um, a lot of what we got is very similar. So I'll, I'll explain my own personal realizations which I've gained from chanting, but also uh, realizations which I've gained from studying. What Srila Prabhupada has said about chanting, what our acharyas have said, especially Bhakti Mnat Thakur, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, and also many of the God brothers who have who are teaching about Japa, who have written books about Japa, how they have processed it in their realization. When when we do something, the mood in which we are in affects what we're doing. Those of you who are teachers know that sometimes you're very excited to teach a topic. And sometimes you're so excited you you just have this sense that it's going to be a good class. Even if you're not like so well prepared, you have this sense it's going to be a good class. I'm just very, I'm very enthusiastic. I feel very inspired right now. And so I just can feel that this is gonna be this is really gonna be a good class. Any of you are teachers, you ever have that experience? Or or maybe it's even cooking, you know, you're just like you're in the mood and you feel you know, whatever it is, or singing, or you're gonna perform a dance and you're not in the mood and you're tired and like, this is not gonna be good. Or you're in the mood and you feel this is gonna be a great performance. So the mood we're in has, has a dramatic effect on our performance, doesn't it? I'm trying. <laughs> My screen is only half size. <laughs> anyway, that's okay. My chat is up. Anyway, okay. So, um, I. I make videos, daily videos, but I don't do one a day. Sometimes I'll do three or four in a day. sometimes I've done like I remember one day, I think I did fifteen. and then I don't do any for fifteen days. And some days like i I'm not in the mood to do videos. If I do them, they won't be good. I'm, I'm, my mind is somewhere else I'm doing I'm doing something which is is not putting me in the mood to speak. Maybe it's it's I'm studying or I'm writing or I'm dealing with some managerial issue, and then to just jump into speaking, especially speaking to a camera. You know, it's a certain mood to speak to a camera. It definitely is because you don't see people. So you have to have an idea of what you want to say, be very inspired by it, and very much in the mood of communicating. And then when I do that, I can, I can do videos just one after another after another, and they're all very succinct and very articulate, it's very very clear and other days <laughs> i'd turn on the camera <laughs> and stare at it or speak something that would would on another day be exciting to speak about but on this day probably it would come out kind of boring so i think we all understand mood how mood works you know you have to be in the mood and sometimes someone says to you would you like to do this and you say not today. I'm not in the mood. Have you ever said that? I'm not in the mood. Prabhu, would you like to do this? You know, I need help with this service. I'm not really in the mood. You know, today I plan to read more. Today I plan to go out in sankirtan. I'm not. You know, I'm just in the mood to go out and meet people. You know, I've been sitting in my room for you know three months, locked down. So mood is important. So now, what is the mood? in which we enter Japa. I don't know if we talked about this last time, but any of us who do Didi worship, when we do Didi worship, there's a mood. And the mood starts when you get ready, right? Bathing, tilak, clean clothes. You go to the temple. Then you go into the Didi room. There's a mood. As soon as you get into the Didi, back, whatever you call it, you know, Didi kitchen backup area, there's a mood. You're like, okay, I'm a You know, you're walking to the temple. Don't touch anyone who's got dirty, who's dirty. You know, you're very, very careful. There's a mood. And then when you walk on the altar, it's like it even becomes more Gambira, right? Isn't it? Like very sober. You just walked on the altar. Because now I'm dealing with Krishna. I'm going to touch Krishna there's a definite mood there everyone who's done deity worship knows there's a, there's a shift and if you're not in that mood you have to get in that mood because you have to be in the right mood to approach krishna there's no question right we've all all of us who've done deity worship have experienced that here's the problem that even though krishna is in his name is the deity in sound right he's he's Nama Rupa, it's a, it's a Murti. You could call it Nama Murti, Nama Avatar. Nama Rupa, Prema rupa. The form of love in this age is Krishna's name. So it's a deity. The problem is when we begin chanting, as you know, it's, it's for many of us, it's a much different experience than it is walking onto the altar. When you pick up your beads and you touch them, it should be just like you've walked through the door to go on the altar. That's how you should feel. How many of us feel that way when we pick up our beads? You know, like something sacred is about to happen. I'm connecting with the holy name. This is Krishna. I must give my full concentration and attention. That's what's required first. Primarily, if we're going to solve all the problems that you presented, this has to be the foundation. And all the problems that you presented will persist when you just chant. You just get your beads and you just chant. You know, sometimes we say, I, I ask devotees, are you just chanting or are you actually chanting? Because there's a difference, right? Isn't there a difference between just chanting and actually Chanting? There's definitely a difference. What to speak of just chatting? Chat and be happy. No, that's even gets worse, right? If we if we don't enter the proper mood, then all these offenses become almost guaranteed in a sense. The distraction, the inattention, the apathy. This is all the offense of inattention which comes under inattention. Distraction, apathy. Um, and um, laziness. So if when we're chanting, we can do something, be it a ritual, be it a reprogramming of our consciousness, be it of a mindfulness awareness that now I'm chanting, that I have to enter the mood of chanting. So that's that's the key word here. You may want to write this down. Entering the proper mood of chanting. That's the key word because when you make that shift, you will see a lot of these problems, they just go away automatically. You don't have to independently do anything when you enter the mood. And I'll explain why. Let's look at what this mood looks like. And I'm going to go back to the deity worship because I think Deity worship is a perfect parallel or an anchor for us to focus on. When you go on the altar, and of course I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Well, in, in the West, women and men both go on the altar. I don't know in India if some of the women go on the altar and dress or not. But in your own altar, right? Do you have your phone and are you looking at your WhatsApp and your Facebook while you're dressing the deities? I doubt it unless you're looking for a class and you're listening to a class, but I say I would say hopefully your answer is no, I don't, and I would assume, at least for the majority of you, when you're on the altar, you're not dressing with one hand and going down Facebook with the other or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. I would assume that, uh, And so why, why is it that sometimes when we're chanting, we're looking at our phone, our phone is next to us, or we're waiting for a call, or we're waiting for a note? Why why do we do that? But when we dress the deities, generally we don't, unless you're working in a company and they need to get in touch with you, or you're a doctor or something. But in normal normal situations, we don't do that. Why would we do that during japa and not during deity worship? Because we're making a distinction that Krishna is there on the altar but he's not in the name. That it's a different mood, that chanting is a different mood than puja and it's not. That's a fundamental problem. So, if I am going to chant properly there has to be some awareness that kicks in before the first mantra that something has to shift now. The mood, my mood, I have to adjust my mood. Just like, for example, if you are asked to give a class and you're, you're giving a class and you look in the audience and you think, oh, my God, there's so many senior devotees here. There's so many pundits here. And you're a little uneasy and a little nervous and you're chanting Jai Radha Madhava, you're probably not thinking of Vrindavan, you're probably thinking, Krishna, please help me do this. Isn't it? Something like that. You're probably praying more for empowerment than you know to be thinking about Radha and Krishna and the kunjas of Vrindavan. Because you're trying to enter the right mood. How can I be humble? I don't want to show off for these seniors, and but I don't want to, you know... I, I feel like I'll just be embarrassed. You know, they'll think I'm a fool. And you're just, you're going around in your mind and you're trying to enter the right space. Okay. And then you think, okay, this is my service. They asked me to give the class. I do this as a duty. I do it sincerely. I try to do it my best. Whatever the result, that's up to Krishna. So you get your mind in the right frame that then you finish chanting and you're like, okay, I can give class. doesn't matter. You know, my Guru Maharaj walks in, sits in the front row to listen to me. And you know, it's like, Oh my god, you know. But now you're okay because you understand. This is his order, this is the desire of the Vaishnavas. I'll do my best, right? It's a mood and you know you need that mood to be successful, right? So this is this is what's going on in our minds according to psychology. I've read different figures. I've read as low as 35,000 I think up to sixty-five or 75,000 thoughts a day we have. And my joke is, well, it depends how much coffee you drink. The people who drink two cups of coffee every hour, they must be the 75,000 thoughts, right? Um, anyway, it's a joke. I don't know. But, but, but if you calculate that, it's somewhere between one and a half and three thoughts every second something like that, or every, or maybe one thought every three seconds, something, you know. Anyway, we know what the mind does. And, and in order to function in this world, we're not generally in a very meditative state. We're more in a passionate state. How are we going to get this done? Because we all have things to do, right? I'm sure, well, for you it's night, but for me it's day. So as soon as I finish this talk, I have a whole day's worth of things to do to try to get them done, right? And then I've got to go out and do things, and I've come back at 3 o'clock. I have another class on a difficult topic, a controversial topic. So, you know, think, okay, what am I going to talk about, right? So, um, how am I going to get everything done today? How long is it going to take? Will I have time for this or that? And this topic, I'm thinking, this is, because if I say the wrong thing, I could offend somebody. This is normal, right? How our minds are functioning in the mode of getting things done, right? That's just how life is. How many things do you have to do in a day? Do you wish you had more than twenty-four hours? How about how about let's say thirty-six? Thirty-six would be better, right? Of course, as my daughter says, well, if I had thirty-six, I'd just be just as busy. I just would do more stuff. Yeah, that's that's another issue. <laughs> 36 isn't going to make it easier. You'll just fill the time up with more things. So, uh, And especially as devotees who are trying to spread Krishna consciousness, we want to fill our day up as far as possible with activities which are in service. If I have extra time, I can do more service. So our minds are normally functioning in a more passionate way because we... You, you have to function that way to get things done. If you don't, you, if everyone is just sattvic, we'll just sit there. What are you doing today, Prabhu? Uh, puja, a little shavanam, and japa. Uh, anything else? Uh, maybe I'll eat later, and that's it. You know, Satya yuga, right? Nothing gets done. If there's no rajas, nothing gets done. It's sat, if it's pure sattva, right? All the farmers decided to meditate. Who's growing the food? Well, in satya yuga, it probably grows itself. But now, you know, who's going to grow the food, right? Who's going to, you know, heal people when they're sick? Oh, doctor, doctor, I'm dying. i oh, sorry, I'm meditating. No, it doesn't work that way, you know. It's passion that gets things done. So it's natural, right? So the mind is active. It's very active. So what's the problem? The problem is that doesn't work for japa, because unless you're in a sotwick state, you can't chant properly. Have you ever chanted around and realized you were thinking of something the whole round and it took you the whole round to realize that I wasn't listening at all. I was like, "I got to do this and how am I going to do it?" And you figured it out by the end of the round and you like, and then you think, "I didn't hear one mantra Did, was I even chanting? I didn't even know I couldn't testify in court that I was even chanting. I was not aware of it. isn't it something like that? That's the normal state. So the problem is that the normal state of consciousness doesn't work for us when we're chanting because it's a different mood, right? Let me give you another example. I don't know if men, you know this, but this is a good lesson just as in marriage or even women if you're working. When you come home from work, you have to be in a different mood than you were at the office because if you're in the office mode when you come home, it doesn't work because nobody cares that much about what went on in the office. You know, if they they just want to interact with you as father and husband and talk about whatever they want to talk about. So when you come home from work, if you're in like business mode, you know. Ah, this happened and that happened, and yeah, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to take over this company. And I'm going to stay up late and work on this, this. You know, your wife eventually will say, "Could you just leave that at the door? So when you come in, you could just be my husband and not the big corporate executive, and you could be the father to the children." That's what the wife wants. So every man who's been married long enough, or who's maybe not married long enough but who's smart or sensitive, realizes that when he comes home. He has to be in the role of father and husband, not in the role of executive or programmer or accountant or doctor or whatever it is. So it's exactly the same with Japa. We have all these roles and identities, but then when we chant, we have to drop those. Because if we don't, this problem with I can't control my mind, why is that a problem? Because you're allowing your mind to stay in the same mode that it uses to conquer the world. So now you're in conquer the world mode and you're chanting Japa. What's your mind going to do? It's going to continue to conquer the world. You know, conquer the world in a broad perspective. Even going shopping is part of what you do in your conquering the world. It's just anything you do to maintain your life, expand your service, expand your career. I'll call that conquering mode. That's the mode the mind is normally in, right? That's just how it is. And then you sit down to chant japa, and if we had mind scanners on all of you right now and thought bubbles over your head when you're chanting japa, what would we be seeing? You say, Prabhu, don't do that. I hope you don't have that technology. Don't show that. I don't want people to see. What would we be seeing? Well, hopefully nothing bad, but we'd just be seeing, okay, you know, we'd be seeing... If you don't enter the mood of Japa, we would be seeing what you normally think about. I have to do this. I have to do that. What about this? How are we going to do this? Would it be better to do this way? Should I talk to him or should I do this or should I do that? Or? That's just normal, right? I mean, nothing wrong with that. That's You have to think that way to exist, isn't it? Then a devotee will say, well, what about, what about service? I mean, I'm, I'm chanting my rounds. I'm thinking about service. It's the same problem. It's distraction, not in a philosophical sense of distraction, but a distraction from the mood. You know? Thinking of service is bad? No, thinking of service is wonderful as long as you don't think about it when you're chanting japa because then you'll end up in that same loop i chanted around and I didn't realize it because I was thinking, how am I going to dress the deities tomorrow? Right? Have any of you ever dressed your deities during japa? Okay, it's a nice meditation, but if it's in the passionate mode of thinking what I have to do, it's different than in the meditative mode. I'm chanting japa and I'm thinking. It's a different mode, right? Because some prajaris do that when they chant japa, but they're not decorating the deity as they're going to decorate in in when they do their puja, they're decorating it in meditation. That's different, because that's enhancing the japa. I think you understand what I'm saying, right? So, what what we have to do the first thing is is to understand that if I'm going to chant good japa, it's going to be in entirely different mood than what I'm normally in, or significantly different mood. It's it's uh, it's the husband coming home from work it's the 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 devotee going on the altar it's a shift there's got to be some significant shift and you might say well what if i'm i'm doing it in the morning you know there's no the day is over it's still there's got to be some conscious shift now the good news is if you do this every day consciously after a while when you begin chanting you automatically will do it. You won't even have to try because that's the way habit works. And I have experience, and this is really cool, and there's a psychological term, and I forget the term because I haven't used it in years, but there's a term. Something like, it. It. it's like, have you ever gone to the temple? I don't know. This happens to us in the West. I don't know if in India, but If you ever gone to the temple and you can smell some incense coming from the altar and you think, ah, that was the same fragrance when I first went to the temple. Oh, it's called anchoring. And it anchors that you begin to remember, oh, when I was first coming to the temple, it was like this, it was like that. Or you smell the person, oh, those were the pakoras we used to have when I was first a devotee. I haven't had them in 10 years. It anchors in memory of that experience. Have you ever had that experience where something... Or you know, an old song, right? An old movie, yeah, it anchors in. You hear a song from 10 years ago. What was I? And then you remember I was doing this or I was feeling this 10 years ago. Now, wouldn't it be nice, wouldn't it be nice if we practice entering the right mood and we did it every day, month after month, To the point when you touch your beads, when you first begin to chant, as soon as you touch them, it anchors that mood. Immediately, like there's a shift just by touching. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, guess what? It will happen when you practice it. It will automatically, you will automatically at some point, default to that consciousness, just like you default when you go on the altar. Or you may default when you go to work, now you're entering work mode you will default to japa consciousness. And so, what is that consciousness? The consciousness is, now I'm chanting japa, which means everything else is off. Everything else is off limits. It's out of touch. It's not part of my life. The only thing that part, is part of my life now is my meditation on the holy name, my prayer, whatever that prayer is, to the holy name, That's that's on the table. Everything else is off the table. Like you're negotiating. Okay, what's on the table? Okay, I'll give you this much if you do A, B, and C, and they negotiate. Well, I can't do A, B, and C. I'll do A and B, and uh, I will take this much. So you're negotiating. What's on the table? What's on the table is my connection with the Holy Name, my relationship with Krishna, the mood of prayer, as we discussed in the last class, the connection with the meaning that all of that is what happens when you enter the proper mood of japa, and because japa is a prayer, we we are entering that mood of prayer. It's a very it's a very different consciousness. Prayer is a very different consciousness from your ordinary consciousness, isn't it? Prayer is the mood that we're, we enter into as Americans when we get in the taxi and. From the airport in India, when we watch how they drive like madmen, we enter that mood of prayer even in the taxi. You don't enter the mood of prayer because you're not worried. We enter the mood of prayer because we don't drive that way in America. So prayer is a different—it's a different mood. Hare Krishna. You ever see Western devotees? You know, if you want to see a Western devotee praying during Japa, just put them in a taxi. Yeah. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yeah, they—they they pray a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Hare Krishna. So, you understand the principle. So, when I sit down to japa, if I'm not in the proper mood of prayer, if I'm not in the proper mood of what of the frequency of the holy name, what it means, and if I've still allowed myself to be in this passionate mode of working on my life, then. It's going to be virtually impossible to control your mind because you you've allowed your mind to wander. You've allowed it to wander. A lot of devotees complain that My mind, my mind, I said, but I say, but you have to understand, you're allowing your mind to do that because you haven't shifted out of your normal thinking. So naturally it's going to do that. And then you're complaining about your mind doing that when it's still in the mode that it always does that. That's, that's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to think. It's supposed to look at the world and give you feedback and make plans and and, and look at things in this way and that way. Is this good? Is this bad? Do I like it? Do I not like it? What does it mean? That's what it's supposed to do. So, So it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that we're complaining, oh, my mind... But at the same time, we're allowing our mind to do that. (laughs) Isn't it? Isn't it a fact? Now, what you will find, if you can do two things really well, you will find your mind will calm down. If you can isolate, somehow or other, internally, isolate your japa, kind of like, like you've walked into a bhajan kutir, So imagine when you chant japa, imagine in your mind, I've just gone into a bhajan kutir. And when you go into your bhajan kutir, what goes on in your bhajan kutir? Obviously bhajan, nothing else. Your office is not there. Your phone's not there. Your computer's not there. There's nobody there. What's in your bhajan kutir? You and your beads and maybe a deity. That's it. So when we chant japa, If you can remember this word, bhajan kutir, I'm going into my japa bhajan kutir, that kind of isolates you from the world and your life. Because now you're, I'm going to go into a space where this is what I'm doing, this is all I'm doing, there's nothing else to do. That's going to be one of the easiest ways for you to control your mind if you do that. Because now, once you're in your bhajan kutir, you're, you are out of your life, so to speak, so your mind's not going to wander into what you have to do because it's obvious you're not going to do any of those things for the next hour or two because you're in your bhajan kutir. So we kind of want to create this this um, virtual bhajan kutir within our life when we begin chanting japa. Like when you touch your bead, it's like, okay, I'm in my bhajan kutir now. Everything in my life the pause button is on my life. It's on pause. Everything's on hold. I go into my bhajan kutra. I begin chanting. Now, the second thing, as we're speaking about, there's a mood to japa. And the mood is certainly not ritualistic. I have to get 16 rounds done. What's the mood? The mood is not to get my rounds done. That is not the mood. That is the worst mood you could have. And if you have that mood... You have missed the boat by a long shot. And the mood of japa is not to sit properly, pronounce properly, sit in a yoga asana facing east, pronouncing Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and hearing, pronouncing every syllable and hearing properly and sitting straight. All that's good, but that's not the goal. And that's not the mood. That's a byproduct of the mood. I guarantee you, if you get the mood, you'll sit straight and pronounce it properly. You won't have to do it independently. right? It's like I tell a devotee, you should speak nice things to your wife. He goes, oh, that's hard. I'm a nasty person. That's not what to tell him. Say, you should appreciate your wife. You should see all the good in here. Then he'll automatically speak nice things. Isn't it? But if you tell him to speak nice things without seeing nice things, it's artificial. So, so we we enter we enter into the mood which is the goal the mood the frequency the vibration is krishna i want you and i've left you that's the mood i want you and i left you and my heart is full of dirt please cleanse it please clean it please bring me closer to you Please make me qualified to be your devotee. Please purify me. That's the mood. That's what we're praying for. That's it. Right? Now, I have a question for you. Let's say you could do those two things. You could enter your bhajankutir, and then you could enter the mood of, of deep of deep prayer, of deep asking, begging, Krishna. Wouldn't you agree that it would be, if you're in that space, it would be kind of awkward to be thinking about what you have to do in the office today? That would kind of be an unlikely thing to think about, wouldn't it? All right, Govinda Charan. If you were a young man and, and you found the girl you wanted to marry and you were preparing to take her out and so on and so forth, and you're about to ask her, you probably wouldn't be thinking about that report you have due at the office tomorrow. I doubt it, right? You would be thinking, I love her so much. She's so beautiful, so this and that. I just want to spend my life with her. That's, and if you were thinking, oh, but what about my report? People would think, you are nuts. What's wrong with you? you know, it's, it's, it's two different moods, and they, they don't mix. They're like impossible to go together. I give some classes on appreciation, and one of the things we find is that when you appreciate, you stop criticizing because they're opposite poles. And when you criticize, you stop appreciating. They don't merge together. They're like oil and water. You have one mood or the other. Both moods don't coincide. They're very opposite emotions. So when you're in the emotion of, okay, my world is turned off, I'm praying, Krishna, I want to be a pure devotee, or please empower me, bring me closer to you, help me in in the ways you, that you, you feel you personally need help. You're in that mood. You're in your bhajan kutir. How awkward would it be to think about, oh, I have to go shopping. We, we're out of milk. It's an unlikely thought. Right? Okay. Do we agree with that? Anybody? Raise your hand if you disagree. And then I'll knock you off Zoom if you disagree. No. Only kidding. So, um, Now, (laughs) Haridas talker, okay, knock him off. (laughs) So, um, now, if you're in the mood of, I have so many things to do, I can't finish them all, and I have to get my rounds done, and you're on what I'm doing called beat the clock japa, you're chanting as fast as you can, what do you think is going to enter your mind? All the things you have to do, right? Of course, because now you're in a mood which would support your mind wandering because you're no longer in the mood of a japa chanter. You're just in your normal mood and you're just doing it ritualistically. You're just trying to get it done. So it's natural that you're going to be thinking about all these other things because your mind and heart are not occupied with the mood. You're only occupied with, let's get it done as fast as we can. Let's get this over with. I have so many things to do today. Have you ever felt like that? Let's get this japa out of the way. Oh, I finished my rounds. Got that out of the way. What a crazy thing to say, isn't it? Got my rounds out of the way. Now I can get down to business. No. So, does this make sense to you? Can you see the difference in the moods? How how? if you enter the right mood, then your mind thinking about all these things that you're saying Wandering mind, loss of enthusiasm, um, unwillingness to chant. Can you see how that would kind of not, it wouldn't fit in that mood? It's just like a different mood. It's kind of like wearing a tuxedo to go farming. They're different moods, right? It's just like, you know, if, if you put on really, really nice clothes, it changes your mood, doesn't it? just putting on the clothes it's like okay i've got this beautiful armani suit i have to go somewhere and let's go to a five star hotel and just walk around you know we look important you know it's just it's a, it's a different mood isn't it <laughs> so that's my that that realization only took me like 40 years to come to through through bad experiences with chanting of not being in the right mood and being more ritualistic about it and and um And so then when I started entering that mood, then I found, okay, this is easy. Why make it hard on yourself? Um, Another realization I had, and I'll open it up for questions. We don't have that much time, but when I started doing this, I had another realization that you could desperately try to control your mind, and it's not that we shouldn't try to control our mind, but sometimes... You could spend all the energy on your japa trying to control your mind. Have you ever done that before? And by the time you finish 16 rounds, you have to go to sleep, you know, call in sick. I can't go to work. <laughs> I'm exhausted. That was so hard. <laughs> or have you ever been like, you don't have so much energy and you're chanting? I was like, I don't have the energy to control my mind. You know, and so I thought that doesn't seem like a good use of energy to put all our energy into controlling our mind when we could put all our energy into praying for pure devotional service, and automatically our mind would just be controlled because of that world, that energy is a different world. And in that world, the mind doesn't wander around the universe. And so, you know, I'm chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, beating my head, bang, get my broomstick, beat it, get my shoes, beat it, you know. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. And I thought, why would I want to spend all that energy beating my mind when I could just massage my heart into the proper mood, I could walk into my bhajan kutir, and then all my energy can go into prayer. That's my realization. So I would would like you to try to apply that. And um, if this is being recorded, then you can can review it a little bit. Try that. uh, Put that into practice. See what happens. And if it works for you, do it every day, because after a while, it's going to become your habit, and that's just the way you're going to chant the last thing I want to say is notice devotees who are very absorbed in Japa and you can understand that they've mastered this. It's just this is the way they do it and they do it every day and that's just how they chant. Because they've connected with that mood. So now we have I think seven minutes. Is that correct? Govindachana? Seven minutes? So if you would like to ask some any questions, you want some clarification on this, please feel free to ask. Or you have some question, is this really does this really work? Or Prabhupada said this? And, you know, the standard question is, but Prabhupada said just here. And that sounds, you know, it sounds like I I'm, I'm saying something different. You know what Prabhupada said? He said, think of Krishna's pastimes when you chant, and if you can't, then just listen. That was like, that, that you know, just here was like degraded to point two, not point one. Point one is absorption, more of absorption of the mind and heart. If you can't do that, go to the mechanical here, and then it'll bring you there. But I think um, we can bypass a bit of the mechanical if we go more to the heart, and we'll get a quicker result and a deeper result. Okay. Thank you, Hare Krishna. So, if you have a question, um, you can put it in the chat or you can raise your hand.
0: There are a couple of questions coming up. Uh, okay. So, One of them is, uh, if there's bodily pain, um, yes. how do we chant during that time? How do we approach?
1: Uh, it, if there's bodily pain, when you chant, um, it's
0: difficult to concentrate.
1: Yeah, to oh, definitely, effort. definitely. Then I would address that. I would address that independently. Any, any, anything you can do to make your pain uh, lessen your pain, make yourself more comfortable, it's going to help your japa. Because otherwise, your focus will be on the pain. Um, Okay. of course sometimes the pain makes a person more dependent on Krishna because of the, because they're in pain um, but um, that would be my first line of defense to alleviate it as much as possible so it's not a distraction
0: there's another one uh, is it okay to chant and watch Mangalarti
1: uh-uh. one or the other not both
0: What when we feel sleepy sometimes while japa? So should we doze off? Or doze off? What when Um, we feel sleepy sometime while japa or doze off?
1: um, Don't chant when you're sleepy. So you have to figure out how not to be sleepy. Stand up. Stand on your head. Go jump in a bucket of ice or take a nap. Something. Go outside. Walk. Breathe something because if you chant when you're sleepy you you it's not gonna be good. You need energy. You wanna hear a funny story? We used we used to do Sankirtan and sometimes we'd only sleep four hours, so during class we'd give devotees ice, put ice on their feet to stay awake. We were totally fanatical. we were very young devotees, you know. Okay, here's your eyes to keep you awake during, awake during class. So. I can give you hundreds of fanatical 1970
0: stories if you want. <laughs>
1: okay, another question. Yes.
0: Do yes. so, you think that if the sound of flute helps me to concentrate and be in right mood, should I use it?
1: The sound of flute... Yes. Well, Prabhupada used the sound of shanai, but he thought he thought that sound was auspicious. But if if it helps you, I can't say it's bad. Mm-hmm. But if you get absorbed in hearing the flute and not the holy name, then that's not good. Prabhupada had shanai players in Mayapur playing. He he said that was created an auspicious environment for japa. I've never heard him say about the flute, but generally, I would say I always say whatever helps you focus on the holy Name within reason?
0: yeah then uh we have, can you please give me some list of prayers we can do while chanting?
1: Um, huh. Yeah, I could. Why don't you... uh, Let me see. Um, Hold on. Here, I'm going to put some meditations right here. Just a few to start with. I'll put them in the chat. These are meanings of the Holy Name you can meditate on. While you're chanting, one or more. These are given by different acharyas. We did some of these last time when we chanted. Manjulali is saying, Is it okay to do Manasi Purkrama of damodar if it helps you? But the the, the thing is to be absorbed in the chanting, absorbed in prayer. So anything that helps that, of course, do it. Why not? Just like I said, we have to be careful. Um, We could be thinking about service and then we lose connection with the Holy Name. So as long as it helps you become more connected, it's good. If it helps you lose that connection, then it's a problem. Okay. After initial good rounds, the focus somehow gets diluted. Should we continue with not so good rounds or take a break? Either or depends on you. Uh, sometimes I'll take a break and re, re. We use the word in America. Recoup. Use that word in India. You know, kind of like recoup. You know, get things together so you can go make a charge. Yeah, so sometimes recouping is good, you know. You may want to read something. Or just stand up, get some air, go outside. Of course, in an Indian city, go outside and get some air is probably not a good idea. (laughs) I live in the country, you know, the air is clean out here, so. Um, But um, personally, I, I always try to do whatever I can do to make my job a better, create the you know right environment, so that I would leave up to you uh, sometimes you know plugging through you'll get back into the mood, sometimes you'll need to stop, pray, read something of that nature.